Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. Jeffrey, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is episode 7,420. 419, but you're close. Okay, 7,419. Extend grace. Good morning, insurgents. Hallelujah. We just got finished with a conference, and one of the quotes that I had read, which I want to read to our listeners, is a quote from Corey Ten Boom, Mm. and it is this. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. Hmm. But if you look at Christ... You'll be at rest. Amen. Isn't Amen. That awesome, buddy. Yeah, it is awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. That's really good. So, anyway, today we want to talk about unity in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. People have asked questions. You know, how do we attain unity? Why is it that Christians so easily bicker and argue mm-hmm. with one another and divide yeah. from one another? I wrote a book about this recently called Regrace. Amen. Yeah. Which is all good about book. the carnal impulse for Christians to divide from one another and even tag each other with labels like heretic just because they disagree over doctrinal matters, most of which are peripheral or non-essential matters, but they have made those matters essential. Even political disagreements have been the basis for division. And so the book Regrace, which looks at the shocking beliefs of the great Christians, all of the great Christians that have shaped the faith over the years held to some strange, odd, and even incorrect, flawed views. We don't write them off. Amen. You know, we they're our heroes. Amen. We cut them slack, so why not cut one another slack? Amen. Right? When yeah. we come against a disagreement, That's either so doctrinally true. or politically or theologically. So we want to talk about the unity and oneness of the body of Christ as it relates to the kingdom of God. One of the witnesses to the kingdom that the kingdom is here is that the citizens of the kingdom are united amen that they're one in christ under the king yes and there is a passage jeffrey that i want to read because the emphasis that many christians have today particularly the evangelicals is on how we treat the world okay Mm. so it's more about showing love to people in the world who don't know Christ, showing them the love of God, showing them the mercy of God, making Jesus attractive to them. And I'm all for that. Amen, yes. Right? That's a good thing. But the emphasis in the New Testament is not so much showing the world. Come on, brother. Although that's there. Mm -hmm. But the major emphasis is loving one another. The whole book of uh, 1 John Mm-hmm. He keeps hammering away this one point that if yes. you truly are born from above, if mm. you truly have the life of God in you, one of the greatest evidences of that is that you will love the brethren. The brethren are That's the right. brothers and sisters brothers in and Christ. Sisters the, in these Christ. are your fellow Jesus followers. But listen to this passage 
Jeffrey, John 13.35. Okay. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Okay. By what? By this. He's getting ready to say it. Mm -hmm. Everyone will know you belong to me. You're a follower of Jesus. You're my disciples. If you love the world. No, it doesn't say that. Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. If you love one another. Love one, so not my bumper sticker? I love Jesus? <laughs> oh, okay. If you love one another, meaning uh, he's talking to his disciples. Yes, he is. He's saying, yes. if you love, love each other, other, love of the brethren, love of the sistren, love of your fellow Christian. Amen. All right? And to put it this way, the mark of a genuine disciple according to Jesus Christ is how we love one another mm. as Christians, as believers. Not the world, but other disciples. But other disciples. Yeah, Man. and that is a powerful thing. And this gets into this whole business of the unity of the faith. Yes. We see historically, and I've talked about this in my books, Reimagining Church is a whole chapter on this, the unity and oneness of the body. But mm -hmm. divisions entered in quite early, and you can look at it historically. The denominational system is all about drawing a line around a group of believers and mm -hmm. saying, well, we're standing for this. And we're not going to meet with you guys because you don't stand with what we stand for. And this is how you have over 30,000 denominations wow. in the Protestant world. Yeah. I've read stats that it's up to 40,000. Wow. It's mind-boggling. <clears throat> that is. When a person receives the gospel of the kingdom, mm -hmm. they are surrendering their life to Christ. And a part of that surrender is they're giving up their divisiveness. Amen. And their elitism. Yes. And their sectarianism. Yes. They are embracing all who embrace Jesus. That's right. That's right. You know, when I was in my early 20s, I had fellowship with this older brother in Christ. He was part of the Plymouth Brethren, uh, which is a very interesting denomination with an interesting history. And we disagreed on a few doctrines. You know, he was all about a certain brand of rapture theory. Mm -hmm. I believed in a different kind of a, a rapture viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But we both held to the orthodox creeds of the faith. You know, we held to the Apostles' Creed, yes. the Nicene Creed, yes. the essentials of the faith. The essentials. You know, the, Jesus is the Son of God. He's God and man. Amen. He rose again on the third day. Amen. You know, he died for our sins. I mean, the, the essentials of the faith. We both held to the inspiration and authority and reliability of the Scriptures, God's Word. And I never stepped foot in a Plymouth Brethren chapel. They don't have churches. They have chapels. So I was interested in visiting his chapel, and he said uh, to me, yeah, he was quite a bit older. He said to me, sure, you can visit, mm -hmm. but but we have the Lord's table every week, which is the cup and the bread. Mm -hmm. He said, but you will not be able to partake of the Lord's table. Oh, wow. And dude, I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked. Wow. Saddened, surprised. He received me as a brother in Christ because mm -hmm. we had great fellowship. We'd pray together. We'd talk about Scripture. But I didn't tow the Plymouth Brethren doctrine line. And so I was not allowed to partake of the bread and the wine. That's sad. And I shared my feelings with him. I said, yeah. brother, I said, I don't understand that. Yeah. I mean, is that not divisive? Yeah. Do you not receive me as a brother in Christ, even though I don't agree with some of your doctrines? And, you know, he started to think about it, and he retracted it. He, uh -huh. said, he said, you know, you're right, you can partake of it. But by that time, 
uh, there was a wound there, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I don't even remember if I took it or not. I really don't remember. I was in my 20, early 20s. Okay. This is when I just got out of college. And, you know, it's a sectarian spirit. Yes. It's the idea that says, unless you agree down the line with all of my doctrinal views, the then you're something less. Yeah. You know, maybe your brother, maybe your sister in the Lord, but maybe not. Or if you are, you're a second class yeah. citizen wow. in the kingdom second of God. Class. And sisters and brothers, this is not loving one another. This is an affront to the kingdom of God. Amen. It is a violation of the spirit of God. It is a grief yeah. to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's slicing Jesus Christ up into pieces. Wow. And that's what divisiveness is. And I'm using that imagery from 1 Corinthians 1. Is Christ divided? He says to the believers there because they're dividing. That's right. Over right. their favorite yeah. Christian worker. That's a, that's a great story, uh, Frank. And my journey, so in 1993, you know, I was working at the uh, Newark airport. The Lord had saved me in, in May of 93. And it was about August. And, you know, I'm this new believer. I'm just so excited about Jesus. And, uh, you know, I was at the airport, and uh, these, uh, the, I think the Pope had been in Denver, and there was people coming through Newark connecting flights, and the, a couple of these, these large groups had uh, like a 12 or 14-hour layover, and I was working. So I was on my break, and, you know, I saw these teenagers and young adults, and you know they had crosses around their necks and you know, uh, shirts on about Jesus. So I'm this I'm this vibrant, excited, <laughs> grateful young believer. I just go over there to them and just start talking with them about the Lord and just hanging out with them. And you know my whole break. And then I came back later on when I had my 30 minute lunch. I hung out with them again and was just laughing and joking. Mm. And if you could see me, I'm doing air quotes right now. Um, <laughs> seasoned Christians who were mm. at the job who you know. I would defer to because, you know, I, I I still was homeless at the time. They said, Brother Jeff, what are you doing over there, you know, with them, talking with them about the Lord? I was like, well, they got crosses around their neck, and they're talking about Jesus. And they said, yeah, but they're Catholic. Mm. And I said, but, you know, okay, whatever. But, you know, they're over there excited about Jesus Christ. You know, that's all I care about. And they said, no, you can't go with them. They're not really believers. And so me being this... Uh, young, naive, and just wanting to please the Lord. And these people, from my perspective, were mature, seasoned saints. Yeah, you know, I had told those uh, the kids and young people over there that when I got off of work, I was going to hang out with them some more. But I didn't. And it wasn't until a couple years later. Now, when I, when I left, I still I felt bad within myself about that. Mm. But that young, impressionable believer. It was just like, well, you know, maybe that's just me. They've known the Lord longer than me was my assumption, so I'll just do that. But I felt bad about that. And when I came to work the next day, they were gone. And that always kind of haunted me that mm. I had never, you know, went over and embraced them. And it wasn't until a few years later when I read in John 17 and Jesus is praying for us oh, yeah. around verse uh, uh, 21 and 22. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Why? That they may be one as we are one. Mm. 
And, you know, Brother Frankie, you know, reading uh, Insurgents and even some of uh, the other works that the Lord has produced through you, uh, when you, you said that glory that he gave is his life. The, the glory of God is the manifestation of his uh, divine life. And so he gave us his nature so that, as Peter says, we can escape the lusts that are in this world, you know, through corruption. And he gave us his nature. I have his nature in me. You have his nature in you. Mm, We're both born into that same family with the same DNA. You know, you would be, from the world's perspective, a, a Caucasian male. I would be an African-American male. But Paul goes on to tell us that in Christ, there's no black, there's no white, there's no Jew or Gentile. You know, there's no Republican, Democrat. We're just all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. And he says, uh, I think there's another passage in Scripture that says that, you know, we need to keep the unity. Yes. Paul tells the church of Philippi, keep the unity that we already have. You know, strive to. I think he tells that to the church in Ephesus. And so God gave us his divine life, his nature. Why? So that we could be one. And then Jesus even says, uh, may they also be in us so that the world may may believe that you have sent me. Yeah. Not based on how many tracks you give out. Not based on how many uh, doors you knock on. But when they see us as one mm. crippling racism crippling sexism crippling any other ism and they see us the body of jesus christ living as one right that's the solution that alternative civilization that divine colony in the earth an outpost of the kingdom of god in the earth sharing life with one another supporting one another i love how i read in your material that depending on what new testament translation you look at uh, there's 58 to 72 one another's. It's always about one another. Even in the verse that you read earlier in John 13, mm. you know, where he says, what, they'll know you're my disciples, not by your fish bumper sticker, <laughs> not by your big I love Jesus pin, but by your love for one, one another. another. And we have to strive to really, you know, I don't think, I don't think even strive, I, you know, personally, I think that if his, if we're living off of the life of Christ that indwells within us, it will become natural. Just mm. like I was at the airport, it will become natural. And so then lastly, I've had to repent over the years because, again, early in my life when I got into a church and I was in a very legalistic church, I, I share that in uh, another podcast. And, you know, we basically were just told, like, if the person doesn't speak in tongues, then they're not saved. If they no, don't do wow. this, they're not saved. If they, you know, a woman wears makeup, then they're not saved. I mean, it was just all this, all this stuff. It was like more things to remember than what like God even gave us. And it wasn't <laughs> living from his life. And I saw the divisiveness and, you know, that sectarianism, as you said. And, uh, you know, I've had to repent and go back to some people who mm. unfortunately in my life earlier in my walk I had cut off because of that and just asked them to forgive me because of my ignorance and so I commend the Barians also they studied the scriptures so yeah this thing and even in our country today we see the division you know in the body of Christ over different political issues economic issues yeah, and things. that's true but we have not so learned Christ no. this topic of unity is so very important because as Jesus says in his prayer, 
they will know that the mm. Father sent him mm. by our unity with one another. It shows up, this word about oneness and unity, in many of the epistles of Paul, because he's talking to local mm. kingdom communities. Mm. I would that you all have the same mind, the yes, same judgment, yes, the same yes. goal. Yes. Um, this appears in a number of his epistles. One of the things that's related to this is the problem of guilt by association. Mm. As an author, I have come into contact with this a number of times, and this is how it works. Let's say that I'm writing a book or I write a blog post and I quote someone. Mm-hmm. All right, let's say I quote Eugene Peterson. Okay. Or let's say I quote Rick Warren. Okay. Or let's say I quote A.W. Tozer. Or I quote Watchman Nee. Or I quote someone who, who's not even a Christian. Okay. Know? Yeah. Maybe I'll quote Bob Dylan. Okay. You know, as a writer. Yes. There's always a small number, and it's always a tiny number. That's I'm glad to hear. Yeah, that. thank it's God. Tiny, yeah. Who will have apoplexy because I quoted someone, whether they're a Christian or not a Christian, and the flaming email will sound something like, I can't believe you quoted fill in the blank, mm-hmm. the name of the person, because he believes XYZ mm. or she believes XYZ. Yeah. It's guilt by association. Now when at what point did quoting someone mean that you agree with everything they have ever said or done. Amen. <laughs> when did yeah. that happen? Yeah. Paul of Tarsus quoted non-Christians. Yes, he did. Yes. All right? Yes. Just read your New Testament, That's folks. That's it. Yeah. He yeah. quoted people who were not Christians at all, who held to views that were contrary mm-hmm. to the teaching of That's Jesus, and he true. quoted them mm-hmm. for his own purposes. Mm-hmm. Quoting someone doesn't mean that you endorse everything they've said or believe. Okay, See here's that. another. Let me let me give you another example. Someone endorses my book. Okay. Now, here again. Okay. <laughs> someone endorses a book of mine. Okay. And then I will get an email that is highly acidic and is full of vinegar. And, and it basically is ripping me to shreds because someone endorsed my book that this person doesn't agree with. Wow. They don't agree with their theology, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Jeffrey, if someone endorses a book that I have written, I am not endorsing them or their work. Yes. They are endorsing my book. Your book, <laughs> so, which is Unveiling Christ. Yeah, so how you leap from someone endorsing an author's book to the author endorsing and approving everything <laughs> they have said or believe is uh, ludicrous. Amen. All right? Amen. Amen. But it even goes further than that. Let's say that I show up in Philadelphia. Okay. Right? And I visit, oh, you have a Baptist, a First Baptist Church in yeah, Philly there? It's a, yeah, it's a Baptist okay. church. Right. Yeah. Now, folks, I don't have anything against Baptists. I have friends who are Baptists. I don't agree with all Baptist doctrine. Neither do I. I don't agree with all Baptist values. But let's say I visit the pastor of the Baptist church. Maybe mm-hmm. I heard him speak once and, and I liked what he said. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's written a book and I liked the book. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I go visit him. Yeah. Now, all I'm doing is visiting him. That's all. 
having a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. He's a brother in Christ. Hey, that's it. Do I agree with everything he says and does? No. No. Do I agree with his theology? All of it? No. Some of it I do. Some, some of it I, I don't. don't. Well, someone finds out that I visited this Baptist pastor. Uh-oh, watch it. And they believe that he is a heretic, or they believe in their view that he is theologically unsound, mm. but he is doctrinally incorrect. So all of a sudden, just because I visited him, visited. now I am guilty of heresy. Mm. Now I am guilty of being theologically incorrect. Now I am guilty of everything. Because you're very <laughs> yeah. Guilt by association, folks. Where is Jesus Christ in any of that? That's crazy. Where is the Holy Spirit in any of that? Let me tell you something. That attitude is coming from a spirit, but it is not the spirit of the Lord. Not the spirit of the Lord. Yeah, that's that's true. I'll give you an example uh, from history. Now, Watchman Nee, uh, he was a brother who was greatly instrumental in my life when I was in my 20s. And early 30s. Now, I don't agree with everything that Watchman Nee believed yeah. and wrote. Yeah. But he has written about five, six, seven books. They're on my best 100 Christian books yeah. list. But are just phenomenal. Damn. And were foundational in my own spiritual life and growth. Well, one day he visited a man named T. Austin Sparks. Okay. Watchman Nee went to England, visited this man, T. Austin Sparks. Now, before he visited T. Austin Sparks, Watchman Nee had a relationship with some Christians who are part of a denomination. It was the Plymouth Brethren, once oh, again. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the Plymouth Brethren group in England really received Watchman Nee, loved him, loved his ministry, endorsed him. Well, when Watchman Nee visited T. Austin Sparks, mm-hmm. who's not Plymouth Brethren, Yeah. okay, the Plymouth Brethren in England heard about it, and they became irate. And they broke fellowship with Watchman Nee. Because he visited T. Because Austin he visited T. Austin Sparks. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah. Watchman Nee wrote them a letter. Mm-hmm. And I want to read. The letter is so good. It's so good. I want to read parts of it. Please, okay? please. I never heard this. So story. here's what he put. Mm-hmm. To the Plymouth Brethren who basically <laughs> accused him of guilt by association mm-hmm. just because he visited T. Austin Sparks. <laughs> wow. Now he was guilty of wow. whatever they had against T. Wow. Austin Sparks. And incidentally, T. Austin Sparks is probably my chief mentor as far as anybody who's ever lived. Throw in the greats, Calvin, Wesley, mm. Luther, C.S. Lewis, Billy Graham, whoever your favorite Christian is from history. To my mind, T. Austin Sparks eclipses all of them in terms of his revelation of Christ, his understanding of God's eternal purpose. Mm. He's just an incredible servant of the Lord, yet very little known. Yeah. A hidden vessel, mm. by and large. Yeah. Well, anyway, here's what Nee writes, and he wrote it with some of the brothers and sisters who were part of his fellowship there in China. However, it's mostly Nee writing this. Mm-hmm. The scriptures plainly show us that the basis of our receiving receiving one another is even as Christ also received you. Amen. Romans 15, 7. Yeah, even yeah. as Christ also received you, so we ought to receive one another. Mm. The reason why we receive anyone is because God has received him. Romans 14, 3. Hence, the command of God to us is, him that is weak in faith, receive ye. Romans 14, 1. 
He's quoting the King James. Mm -hmm. This command is explicit, distinctive, and irrevocable. It is a sin to refuse acceptance of him whom God has received, yes. however weak or lacking in light he may be. Yes, amen. Nevertheless, this does not imply that the defeated, those who are unrepentant, may have fellowship with God and with God's people. Not only the world, the flesh, and sin may deprive the church of its characteristics and hinder its fellowship, even a slight deviation from the will of God and from the leading of the Holy Spirit may cause the believer to lose contact with God. Mm. Who among any of us is really worthy to undertake this work of selection, this act of determining who is fit for fellowship? Wow, who is fit? Man. From what we learn in the Bible, our responsibility is to judge only on moral corruption, 1 Corinthians 5, 10 to 13, or on heresy regarding the person of Christ, Second mm. John. Differences in interpretation of truth alone must not be the ground of division. Amen. Thus we receive all whom God has received for the sake of Christ. Now this is an important point because basically he's saying, look, people like T.S. Sparks, they haven't been excommunicated from a local church because of unrepentant sin. Amen. They haven't engaged in heresy against the person of Christ. Yes. Sparks's views were completely orthodox. A person may disagree with his certain interpretations of certain scripture, but in terms of the essentials of the faith, he was solid. Yes, he was. And so was Watchman Nee. Yes, he was. And so Nee is saying differences in interpretation of truth alone must not be the ground of division. We receive all whom God has received for the sake of Christ, but so-called sins such as denominational connection, hmm. that's guilt by association, yeah. and apparent errors of interpretation on prophecy, you know, end-time prophecy, mm. do not cut off fellowship with God. This fact you cannot deny, that many who have not yet departed from what you call evil association, that's what they were saying about sparks, Yeah, yeah and who, moreover, differ with you in prophetic views, have most intimate fellowship with the Lord, even more intimate than we have. Mm. So what, what Nia is saying is, okay, you disagree with Sparks on end-time theology, and that's mm -hmm. really where this, the big disagreement wow, was. Wow, really? Yes. Man. <laughs> so when he says prophecy, he's talking about end-time end -time eschatology, crazy. folks. And so the Plymouth Brethren distanced themselves from Sparks, did not receive him as a brother, and... Nia is saying, look, this guy has more intimate fellowship with the Lord than we do. Yeah. Talking about Nia and his fellowship. We are doubtful about your current way of reception. We wonder if this is a practice truly handled by the Holy Spirit or is simply a method received by men. Mm-hmm. Bingo. We would now make our position crystal clear. We do not stand on an open ground which overlooks matters that might bring reproach to the Lord. No, we absolutely do not take that position. So in other words, he's saying, it doesn't mean anything goes. Like if this brother Sparks was living in sin, or he denied the deity of Jesus Christ, yeah. or the bodily resurrection, or something yeah, like that, yeah, you know, he, yeah, yeah. he would have a very different view of him, and would treat him differently. Probably if he visited him, he tried to correct him, you know? Mm -hmm. Still wouldn't be mean-spirited or anything. Yeah. Nor do we stand on the exclusive ground, which is according to man's thought, and not according to the Holy Spirit. Now the exclusive ground is some of the Plymouth Brethren, they called them the closed brethren. Okay. And unless you believed everything that they did, they would not receive you into their fellowship. Wow. You couldn't break bread with them, etc. For the flesh has absolutely no place in this fellowship. It is not sufficient merely to terminate so-called evil association. 
The total life of the flesh must be dealt with. The power of the cross must be experienced by all through the mm. working of the Holy Spirit. Mental knowledge is of little use. Amen. We stand instead on the spiritual exclusive ground, which means that we want our fellowship to be holy in the Holy Spirit without any mixture of the flesh. To enjoy such kind of fellowship as this, the flesh must be thoroughly dealt with mm. by the cross of Christ. This, then, is our fellowship. Accordingly, we are as open as the early church that received all Christians. Yet we are as exclusive as the Holy Spirit in rejecting all that is of the flesh. Many whom you reckon as in your fellowship are actually not so. Possibly the number of such people far exceeds our expectation. How very sad this is. It is. For many believers, though, though they have passed your test of strict receiving, do not live in the Holy Spirit. So what he, what he's saying here is fascinating because he's basically saying you guys have this standard that you have to agree doctrinally on every minutia of biblical interpretation to be received as a brother, yet some of you are living in the flesh. Wow. That's what yeah. he's saying here. Yet they consider themselves in the fellowship and freely partake of the loaf because they have not manifested sins. We cannot but regard such a standard of fellowship as too low. So he's kind of turning the tables on them, and he's saying, you're making the basis of fellowship doctrinal interpretation mm -hmm. on non-essentials of the faith, where the basis of fellowship has to do with, has Christ received you, and are you living in the flesh? And if you're living in the flesh, there needs to be correction. Yes. And so... And Nee obviously had knowledge that some of the people in that fellowship were living in the yeah, flesh. Yeah, it didn't yeah, come out. It wasn't yeah, manifested. Yeah. And here they're having the Lord's Supper. They're yeah. being received as brethren. And then, on the other hand, the same group yeah. that has that going on is rejecting Watchman Nee just because he visited T. Austin Sparks, who is a holy man of God, Amen. who's walking in the Spirit, yeah. just because they interpret Scripture differently, differently. than he does. Yeah, yeah. That's sad. In order to unify interpretations and practices, you tend to divide God's children. Say that again. In order to unify interpretations and practices, you tend to divide God's children. Wow. So you, you do it to unify and end up doing the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> Beloved, may we humbly suggest that you carefully and prayerfully consider what we have here laid before you. We believe this that we have written is of God. Are you willing, as though knowing nothing at all, to lay aside your former preconceived thoughts written by you, and at the same time to ask the Lord to reveal to you whether or not what we have said is right and according to his will? Now is the time for us to make this matter clear before the Lord as eternity draws mm. near. We thank you for all that you have done for us. May God bless you, your brothers in the Lord, representing the brethren met in Hardoon Road, Shanghai. I say Shanghai. Yeah. I say amen to that. Amen, amen and amen. amen. You know, amen. there's a story of the Plymouth Brethren having a conference, and there was a big banner. By the way, I'm not picking on the Plymouth Brethren. It just happens to be. <laughs> I was just getting ready to say that. Wow. There's oneness. <laughs> It just happens to be yeah. part of these two yeah. examples. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. all. Look, you can put many other denominations that's in its right. place, okay? Yeah. Yeah. I have friends who are part of the Plymouth Brethren. So do I. <laughs> and I love them, and they have a good contribution right. to uh, right. to the church. That's right. But anyway, it just happens to be in these stories, in so I'm sorry for that, folks. Yeah. Anyhow, most, most of our listeners probably never heard of the Plymouth Brethren anyway. They're not exactly large. So there is a banner that they had up. It said Jesus only. 
Mm. And that night, the wind had blown the banner. Uh-oh. And the J-E-S had come down. Wow. And it said, us only. Us only. Wow. This is what Watchman Nee is saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're yeah. in effect saying it's wow. just us. Just us. We're the ones who got it all right. Not Jesus. Just and if us. I visit my friend T. Austin Sparks, then you're not going to receive me as a brother in the Lord, and I can't have the Lord's Supper with you mm-hmm. just because of guilt by association. association. You know, we just finished our 2019 Deeper Christian Life Network conference. One of the things that I love about our network is that we have people from across the range of uh, you know just different expressions of the ecclesia, you know you want to say, and different interpretations of scripture. But uh, my wife always says that when we come down to the uh, conference, that it's like a real family reunion. Yes, amen. and and then secondly is in this year's conference where we were talking about transformation. This brother, who I don't agree with everything on scripture is, but he doesn't know that. Yes. But anyhow, I, I don't agree with everything on, but I love him in the Lord. And uh, you know, he said something when we were doing an assignment that was just so profound it just struck me that I'll share it with you. He said, the major transformations that have happened in his life is when he found out something that he had believed for a long time was wrong. Mm. And, you know, in the letter you just read, Watchman Nee mentions his, uh, their preconceived ideas. And so when my brother said that, it just revealed, it just struck me so, so hard that, yeah, every major transformation I've had in my life was when... I saw, or it was revealed to me, or a light was shed on, a thought or belief that I had that was wrong. In fact, when I came to the Lord, my, uh, my perspective of Jesus Christ had to be corrected from what it was then before I came to the Lord. So, you know, this subject of oneness in the body and keeping the unity is uh, really something I'm so glad that we're talking about because in the insurgents, and in the gospel of the kingdom of God, as the Bible says, you know, that if Christ has received that person, then we receive that person. And we need to keep that unity that we already have in the kingdom of God. We are that alternative civilization in the earth. Amen. Amen. Usually when Christians talk about unity and oneness and receiving those whom God receives, there's always the question about, well, what about heretics? And what about people who deny mm-hmm. sound doctrine? Mm-hmm. What about people who reject you know, scriptural teaching on this or that? And what are the essentials of the faith? And on and on and on. Well, I addressed that in one of the YouTube videos that is on the Deeper Journey mm-hmm. YouTube channel. And we have a link to it in the show notes. But it's called Calvin... Wesley, Pharisees, and Heresy. Mm. And the interviews that make up this YouTube video get into some of these questions. And also the book Regrace goes yes, into yeah, this. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. There's a chapter on what heresy really is. There's a chapter on the essentials of the faith. But in that video, Calvin, Wesley, Pharisees, and Heresy, it's sprinkled with a lot of humor, by the way, so you yeah. want to have a sense of humor to listen to it. I answer the question, what do you do when a brother or sister in the Lord 
is in error scripturally, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How do you handle that? The answer is not that complicated. <laughs> uh, scripture actually tells us how to handle it, but it's not to cut them off. Amen. Amen. And it's not to plaster them with the word heretic. Yes. Most of the time, Jeffrey, people are confused. All right, folks, we're going to end here, and we're going to answer more of your questions in a future episode. All right, see you all later. And remember, do you want to go to jail or you want to go home? All right, Denzel. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.